welcome back, guys, to Two Nerds Sportscast, where we find out where one of the two nerds is biased lies today. I'm Lee. And I'm Joel. And let's get right on into this. Uh, so I'm pretty excited because uh, we get to talk about the NFC East this week, uh, which actually isn't my division. It's... My division. It's time. <laughs> yeah, it's time. Uh, he knows a lot about sports in general and or football in general, but even more so about the NFC East. So this is this. Is, I I want to want to hear all your thoughts on these teams. And so let's just you know get right on into it with the Washington Football Team. What are your all right, thoughts? So, as everybody knows, Washington Football Team won the division last year. That was. It was a rough one to see. No one really saw it coming. A lot of people had them pegged to, to finish last in the NFC East. But that's how the NFC East goes every year. Chaos. You never know who's actually going to win. So it's kind of – and it might happen. They, they actually have a real shot at repeating because the NFC East is notorious for not having repeat winners year after year. So Washington has a legit shot at repeating here with the roster they've managed to build. So I'll go ahead and launch into their free agency moves. They started off – a little bit of a sus move to me, and only being able to tag Brandon Scherf. So this will be Brandon Scherf's second tag. They're not going to be able to tag him a third time. It's just not three tags in a row for any player. It's just not feasible. I mean, the Cowboys didn't even do that with Dak, so. No, and they can't. By tagging him the second time this last time, If when these four years are up, we're not really going to be able to tag him again. So So they better figure out how to extend him at that point. Otherwise, he gone. Because third tags just they don't work out for many reasons. They're so it's a lot crazy of money. expensive. It's crazy expensive to do. So Brandon Scherf in all likelihood will walk after this year. He's an excellent, excellent guard. It's gonna be a big hit to let him go because they didn't manage to come to a contract extension, which is seeming to be a common thing with Washington, is managing to have disgruntled offensive linemen. We saw this a few years ago with Trent Williams and at the the last, the most recent move that Washington did, they, them and Morgan Moses had a little bit of a divorce, and he rolled out too. So I don't know what's going on on that offensive line, but it's it's looking looking a little sketchy. So, but which is which is interesting considering how how rich of history that franchise has of offensive linemen. Oh yeah, the Hogs. I mean, they that's that's strongly in the running for their new team name. I mean, offensive line has been Washington's identity since. The beginning, you know, back Joe Theismann and stuff. I mean, the, that offensive line has always been their thing. I mean, fans still wear those hog masks for a reason. It's it's a part of their culture. So I don't I don't know what's going on on that offensive line, but you kind of hate to see it unless you're a Dallas fan because that'll keep them keep them capped as far as their potential where they're going to go. But moving on, they did let Ryan Kerrigan leave, longtime longtime Redskin, and I mean one year with the football team, but longtime Redskin. Uh, he's a great, great player, and he went over to a division rival with Philadelphia, so I'm sure Washington fans don't like to see it. He's going to stay in the division, so he's, he's still going to be plaguing Dallas. Seems like he always does <laughs> stuff against Dallas. So. Just in uh, different colors. Yeah, that's the way it goes. They also let uh, Fabian Moreau and Ronald Darby go, so kind of shifting of the guard in that secondary. So that should be interesting to see how they rebuild back there. Um, but... Obviously, their biggest move was bringing in Fitzmagic. Uh, that is absolutely huge for the franchise for this season and for this season only. He's a one-year <laughs> stopgap. He can be, as is his nickname, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick can be absolutely magical for you, or he can be absolutely garbage. You don't know what you're going to get from him. So as far as where Washington was, it was probably a decent move to bring him in. I don't know how well that's going to go for them. There's no accurate way to predict which version of Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to show up on the field, even game to game. So it'll, it'll at the very least be exciting for them. No, 100%. But I will say I have a, I have a, an inkling feeling that since the, the Dolphins horribly misused what I consider to be probably would have been Ryan Fitzpatrick's best season, that like that could have maybe have been preserved, and then if Washington allows him to just go off, he'll have the best season of his career. But how how far does that propel them though? Oh, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it yeah. propels them far. I, I'm just saying they get into the playoffs and they beat the Cowboys. No, and that and that's that's cool and all, except for Washington, they almost like there's there's I'll I'll get down to how I think Dallas you know the opposite sides of, of the way this this move could affect Dallas but for Washington they almost should be rooting for the season not to go that great so they can be in position to get a QB next year because right now there is no heir to the throne Kyle Allen frankly ain't it guys if you're still believing that I don't know what to tell you you've got kind of a young exciting option in uh, Heineke I like Heineke I like yeah, no Heineke. he's fun he's completely unproven. There, there's, there's no reason to believe that he's the heir. I mean, he did he did pretty good for one game. Granted, yes, it was a playoff game against the Bucks. Yes, yes, all that. But he didn't win. So, who who knows what's gonna? He could be absolutely nothing. One game wonder. That happens all the time with backup QBs. So, th- in all likelihood, they have no real plan to replace Fitzmagic. So next year they're gonna be going hunting again, for a QB, and with the roster that they have, because they've really got a really solid roster from top to bottom, on especially on defense, but on offense, too, because, oh. you know, they brought in, like, Curtis Samuel this offseason, and obviously another year of scary Terry McLaurin uh, progressing. They've, they've got real weapons, and then they're running back Antonio Gibson. Oh, I they're, love They're a pretty good oh team. Oh, my God, Gibson was running over people like crazy last season. Oh, he, he's amazing. I think he scored three touchdowns against Dallas last time we played Washington. He's he's something. But, you know, that's, that's cool and all for one season. I don't think the team's good enough to have a real shot at, like, a championship run this year, even even if everything goes their way, because they're, they're still fairly young on the defense and some stuff. So they've got, they've got a ways to go, and then they're going to be looking to replace a QB next year. So I don't, I don't know how well this overall goes for them. But moving on into the draft uh, – Took Jameen Davis in the first round. It's a little a little early for Jameen Davis, according to like my projections. Not a bad pick, not a great pick. Just kind of like okay, cool. You know, he solidifies that front seven. They should truly have one of the more special front sevens in the league next year. Uh, I mean, to me, when they were sitting there, I was like, oh, they're gonna pick JOK, and I was gonna be borderline suicidal. And then they didn't pick him, so I'm okay. I'm not as scared of Jameen Davis as I would have been if they had picked JOK, but. No, yeah, J J J O K is phenomenal, and and I do think that they should have picked J O K over Jameen Davis, but I really like Jameen Davis as well. I mean, I still don't really like the pick, like I have said pre- in previous videos, because of J O K being on the board, but like Jameen Davis is still a player. Oh yeah, no, for sure. There, so there, there's some other things they could have probably picked there that maybe would have been better line. That particular need was not a huge way and above need. 
So they could have maybe gone with some other value there because there was still some other pretty good talents on the board. But 100%. that's what you want to do. Not a bad pick. Moving on into the second round. They knocked the second round pick out of the park by picking Samuel Cosme. Couldn't believe he was still there for them. I mean, that, that certainly helps make the, the exit of Morgan Moses a whole heck of a lot more palatable. And then they also brought in Charles Leno in free agency. Forgot to mention that earlier. Oh, so they're yeah, gonna be yeah. they're gonna be okay on the offensive line, especially bringing in Cosme. It's just hopefully just they little, don't keep misusing them. Yeah, keep pissing them off and sending them away. Yeah. I mean, you can't. That's not sustainable. You can't keep sending away these these stalwarts offensive linemen. I mean, they're not real easy to find, but when you find them, they'll play for a long time. So you can't just keep wasting them year after year and just kicking them out the door. So I don't know what's going on over there. If the, some coach is pissing them off or something, I don't know. But they then need to in fix the third whatever round, it is. Oh, 100%. And they also, they also scared off Kirk Cousins. It seems to be they're not willing to pay guys a proper amount is what it looks like. So that's, that's a little sketchy of the ownership, which I've always been sus of uh, Snyder. So, I mean, he's kind of a sleazebag, but that's. <laughs> yeah, like there's, there's neither here nor reason there. To, to not trust him. There, that's neither here nor there, and <laughs> not not going to affect my grade of their offseason. So, and then the third round, they had two picks. They picked uh, Benjamin St. Just, uh, the cornerback, or Just, I'm not sure how to say it. He's pretty solid, good pick for the third round, and they also stole, in my opinion, Diami Brown at the, with their second third-round pick. I they love Diami Brown. Adding him to that offense, that offense has every reason to be – incredibly explosive especially with the one of the more explosive quote-unquote qbs in the league and maybe in league history fitz magic can blow up at any time just for no reason just throw for 500 yards and it's like okay just for, but, for, for no reason yeah and then you know sometimes he still loses or sometimes he wins you don't you don't know what you're getting with him he's the ultimate wild card <laughs> no he he really is he really is yeah but uh, also, uh, so they had a pretty good draft class, not, not particularly stellar, but one pick I would like to point out is they did, in my opinion, they stole Shaka Tony, the defensive end in the seventh round way, way later than he should have been going. I had him graded as kind of like a third, fourth round type guy. He's, he has the chance to contribute immediately at defensive end, picking a seventh round guy. That's a guarantee to make the team much less contribute in his first year. That's an A plus. No. Plus yeah. Pick. That's very, very, very good. Yeah, but as far as my grade for their their whole off season, uh, I put I got to slap a shrug on it. I mean, and it's mostly because I'm completely sus of their future plans. As far as their off season, this it was pretty decent, and their draft was pretty decent. But their future is completely up in the air. They could go back to being you know a losing team, frankly, you know, winning five or six games a year next season. This season, I think they're, they're, they've got a good shot to win 10, 11, maybe even 12 games. But it's a one-year thing unless they figure out what they're doing at quarterback. So that's that's why i got to slap the shrug on it because that's that's ultimately what that move was. Is just like, what, what are you guys doing here? So No, and and I mean, I it's, it's hard-pressed to disagree with you on that one. I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I love their draft, and their future looks bright if they can, you know, continue working on this stuff. Uh, but I unfortunately have to give it a shrug as well, um, just because, like you said, we just we don't know anything about the future, and we also don't know what we're even going to get next year in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like we don't even know what's going to happen next year. He he could 
completely bust next year. Oh, and he's done it before. Yeah. He's like, gone out there and been absolute garbage, and they're going to be throwing out Heineke, and you know, then maybe they're only lucky to win five games. That's that's almost equally as likely as in winning 10, 11, 12 games. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to say this, you know, to, like, hate on Washington fans because I actually think that y'all have a bright future. Like, I really do. You just – you got to get the QB right, and you got to stop pissing people off. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's that simple. You can't have people keep leaving your organization, and you got to have at least a stable person at QB. Like, oh, they haven't had a stable person at QB in forever. No, exactly. I mean, Kirk Cousins was the closest thing they've come in this in the last twenty years, and, and he's he just he gone. They pissed him off. <laughs> so, and then Dwayne Haskins. I am a huge Dwayne Haskins fan. I think you guys heard some of that on the last episode if you watched. I love Dwayne Haskins was my favorite quarterback in the class that he was in. I thought he could have been the future. Yes, he had some personality issues, maturity issues, and needed some growing. He was very unpolished, but. They had something, and Rivera just kicked him to the curb. I didn't know what that was about. I mean, he did make some—he should not have been bragging about his 300-yard game that he had when it was a loss. That is true. You know, that that's worthy of even punishment. But yeah. kicking him to third string, making him a healthy scratch, and then cutting him just a few weeks later, that is a disproportionate response. Unless there's some other stuff that was going on that just is not publicly known and will never be known. I can't be a fan of that move. They spent a first round pick on him and got rid of him in two years. No, it's really, it's really not a good look, especially if like Pittsburgh does do something with Haskins, then like it looks even worse. And yeah, it's, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I'm not as high on Haskins as you are, but I do agree that, that it was pretty terribly managed, even though at first, like I understood why Rivera was doing it because he did have all those medical problems and he just didn't he just didn't want any of the noise but he I do feel like he did overreact 100 yeah. percent he he Wait. definitely overreacted to to Haskins immaturity and just didn't want to deal with it and then just sent him away which is crazy uh but yeah like I said I have to give it a shrug uh Joel gives it a shrug well, we're just we're gonna have we're gonna have to see what happens this next year and going forward. See where their draft position is. See who they get next year. But it could be bright, but it could also not be bright. Which is why that's the shrug. And also, just one last quick note: watch out for Ron Rivera turning them into the new Panthers. Because oh, all yeah, he, they he, seem he to has be doing been saying that a lot is bringing in former Panthers guys into the front office, you know, bringing in Curtis Samuel and uh, Kyle Allen. Ron Rivera is in love with Kyle Allen. I'm just saying that right now. He's (laughs) been trying to make him his franchise QB with two franchises now, and he's done nothing nothing to show that he even deserves another look. And then, you know, Heineke's from there, and they keep keep bringing – and he brought in Thomas Davis last year. I mean, Thomas Davis is gone now, but he just keeps bringing on these former Panthers trying to recreate what he had. That is not the best move ever, even if the team is actually successful. The Panthers did not win a Super Bowl. So I'm not sure why you're chasing that. Rebuild something else. But moving on. Yeah, and launch yeah, into moving, the New York Giants. On. So their free agency, frankly, I kind of hated their free agency. They cut Kevin Zietler. Kevin Zietler has underperformed for them, had some injuries. Ravens absolutely stole him in one of the quieter steals of the offseason. Uh, Ziegler is a good offensive lineman, and frankly, I don't think they should have cut him. But 
they were, uh, yeah, they were uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll just say right now I am super excited for Zietler. Yeah, like no, I I player. I was so happy. Yeah, but they they were cap strapped at the time. Minimal space with a team that they had a lot of stuff they needed to do. So getting they had to something had to give, frankly. So he was the guy that gave is what it is. And then they tagged Leonard Williams and proceeded to hand him a three-year, twenty-one million per year extension, which was exorbitantly expensive for a defensive tackle not named Aaron Donald. Because <laughs> uh, frankly, I don't think defensive tackles should ever be paid that much. They're not premier pass rushers, though. Leonard Williams is one of the better pass rushing defensive tackles, and he's he is one of the best defensive tackles in the league. However, being worth twenty-one million, that is a steep price tag for that kind of player. He, he's, he's a cog, is what he is. You can't be paying cogs that much money. I mean, I would have rather them keep Dalvin Tomlinson for cheaper, you know, who to me is not a significantly worse player, and let Leonard Williams show him the door and get that, get that third-round compensatory pick or franchise tag him and then tag and trade. That, I mean, that yeah, like, been- I, I, I want to disagree because I like Leonard Williams, but I understand what you're saying because it's kind of how I feel about Judon as well. It's like I'm happy I didn't – I'm happy – uh, not I, but I'm happy that the Ravens didn't pay Judon that, that contract. Like, yeah, No, it's, it's a freaking steep pro- contract, and I, it, was a, it was a bad decision to me. And, the, and because they paid him that much money, you can't invest more than that into the defensive tackle position. So what do you do? You let his buddy Dalvin Tomlinson walk over to the Vikings, and that's going to hurt. That was – they had – I say probably. They likely had the best one-two defensive tackle punch in the entire league with those two guys. And now, now it's a one-man show. So hopefully Leonard Williams plays up to this. I just don't know that he will. Yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and then as far as other moves that they made, brought in Devontae Booker to you know help with the depth because Saquon Barkley seemingly gets hurt every single year. Frankly, I don't think they should have picked up his option. He's a, an amazing player when he's on the field, but how much has he actually even been on the field to this point in his career? Not very much. No, it's 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 really sad to see. Honestly, I uh, Saquon Barkley is phenomenal, and it, it sucks that his his uh, all, basically his career has been plagued with injuries, and that he hasn't really been able to like. I mean, like he's been able to see the field for a full season, but like not consistently. Oh yeah, hint hint. Don't draft him in fantasy because he's probably going to get hurt. But I got fooled by him the second season, and then I watched many other people get fooled by him last season. So don't waste your first-round pick on him, but that's that's a conversation for later. Uh, I do like the Devontae Booker move, though. He was a good – he's a good depth running back. He was awesome for the Broncos. Broncos mistreated him, frankly. So hopefully he's able to – he will find playing time with the Giants because they're going to have to spell Barkley even if he's out there the whole season because you can't – guy that's had two major injuries at this point can't be out there running the ball 25, 30 times a game. So getting a good depth running back for a good price, good move. But here come the sus moves again. Bringing in Kenny Galladay, massively overpaying him. He is a special wide receiver when he's on the field. He's not on the field very much, and he also has massive dropping issues and really hasn't proven anything. There's a reason why the Lions let him go and didn't see him as essential for their rebuild. I am not of the opinion that he was worth the amount of money that they gave him, or anywhere close to it. He he's he's not. He's a fantastic wide receiver, and I, I want I want people to understand when we, when we are talking about these contracts, 
it it isn't necessarily that we're hating on the players like by any means it's just we become sus of these organizations for paying people so much money i mean when like we we can all agree that the texans are a terrible organization right they heavily overpaid to laramie tunsil who we can also still also agree that is a phenomenal left tackle mm-hmm. but they 100%. overpaid him by a lot like a and lot and hurt their hurt their organization it hurt their ability to pay people and now everybody's gone i mean there are other reasons for that other than salary cap but that that's a major part of it but like but like m- minus even all of the dysfunction that's going on that probably still would have happened oh it just would have been delayed by two years yeah but it, but, it was inevitable. So, so like it, it's no shade on Galladay at all, but that contract is ridiculous. It is, it is They're, insane. Way too much freaking money, and I mean, hopefully the cap goes up by a by a good bit for the Giants so that they can, so that they can. But even if it that contract. Even if it does go up a good bit, they're not going to have as much money as other teams. And for a team that has not figured themselves out yet, you can't already be sitting on the, okay, yeah. we're out of money for the years to come and they're going to have to be restructured, rebuilding, trading, cutting people every year. You can't, you can't be sitting there. You've got to have a decent amount of cap space every year. Because in all likelihood, Daniel Jones probably is not the answer for them at QB, and they're going to have to be looking again. He still could be. I like Daniel Jones. Yeah, like it, I it's – I just – Yeah. He's a he's – a, Perfectly, he's he's okay. He's just not going to be the guy that's going to lead them to a championship. He's an average QB. So, in all likelihood, they're probably going to be looking at replacing him in the next year or two. And the rest of their team, they've got a lot of money wrapped up in their team. And I just don't know that they're going to be able to win anything with that. It's going to be a ridiculously top-heavy team, not led by a particularly good QB, not led by a particularly good coaching staff. So... This this kind of roster is the kind of roster that's capped at six seven wins every single year, and it's it's a shame to see. But they also made the move of bringing in Adoree Jackson, and I love Adoree Jackson. I'll just say that right now. But they also paid him way too much money. Way too much. Way too much money. It was a bonehead move by the Titans to let him go. Just absolutely stupid. Adoree Jackson is a good player, but he was not worth the 30 million that the giants are going to be paying him over the, I think, I think it was three years, 30 million, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the exact, yeah, I don't have the exact numbers. Um, so I didn't know about that move. I don't know how they frankly paid him because they were already out of cap space by that point. And they also paid Kyle Rudolph a good little chunk for a old, old veteran guy. When you already have Evan Ingram, I mean, it's cool to have a veteran tight end like Kyle Rudolph, very injury prone, a little bit overpaid. I mean, they're even they they might even be out from underneath his contract here shortly because of injury issues, like already. So, I don't I don't know about that one. So their their free agency, quite simply, was sus. Period. Like, yeah, I did was, not it like. It was that. not good. It was not good. But they saved themselves with what was one of the best drafts in this twenty twenty one draft season. Every single one of their players they picked, I liked. And, I mean, two of the two that I'm about to get into were some of my favorites. And then the third one I also really liked. But, uh, so in the first round, they were sitting there, pick 11. Eagles hop ahead of them. I'll talk about who they got in a minute. And they picked the guy the Giants wanted. 
And so Giants are sitting there at 11, like, hmm, what should we do? Because there's nothing really here for us. You know, I thought that maybe they were going to pick Micah Parsons, but they trade out and get an absolute haul for their pick, pick up a first next year, trade back with the Bears, and we know how that went. Bears snagged Justin Fields, great move, all that. Uh, and the Giants also became winners of that trade because they, they got a first next year, which is going to help them build because they aren't going to be able to make any moves in free agency anymore, period. They're out of money. They have to build to the draft now. Uh, so they trade back to pick 20, s- snag to Darius Toney. A lot of people say that's too early for him. I see a lot of people hating on it. I don't think so. He, Lee thinks differently than me, but I am of the opinion that Kadarius Tony was the best wide receiver on the board there easily. I love Kadarius Tony, and you guys can go back and watch my opinion of him back in the wide receiver video. I call him TNT. He's special. I mean, it's <laughs> this. This is kind of a mean joke. It's gonna. It's going to be a shame to see how as good a wide receiver that core as the Giants have with uh, Galladay, now Kadarius Toney, and they also brought in John Ross. All this speed, all this talent, just for Danny Dimes to overthrow them every single play. So he has a habit of doing that. It's yeah, it's a little sad. <laughs> yeah, but but no, I mean, I I I I mean, I absolutely love Kadarius Toney as well. I just I was saying. What I always say, I mean, obviously, because I'm a, I'm a Ravens fan. I, I did like Rashad Bateman before the Ravens picked him, though. I was saying that the Ravens should pick Rashad Bateman. I, 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 would, I would agree that Kadarius Toney was the best receiver for the Giants at that point because they didn't need Rashad Bateman because they have Kenny Galladay. That's true. And they're similar players. And, like, the Ravens didn't need Kadarius Toney because they have Devin Duvernay on their team. And Marquise Brown. And, I mean, and, Mar- he, he said- and Marquise Brown, obviously. But, like, I, I see Brown as being a lot more of, like, a, a – he could do a lot of different things. So it's it's hard to, like, not find somebody who's like him in a way. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. But, like, specifically, like, Duvernay is Kadarius Tony. Like, they are, like, almost the same player. Yeah. And, no, and but, but I, I absolutely love it though. I think it was I think it was smart on the Giants part cuz they get to move back, still get a wide receiver that they wanted and still get the best receiver for them at that point and get a, a next year's first. Awesome. And in deal. my opinion awesome. probably better than the than the receiver that went ahead of them. Oh. <laughs> and Jalen Waddle yeah. and DeVonte Smith. Yeah, I I think Kadarius Tony is likely the second best wide receiver that's going to come out of this class. Devontae Smith is special. Just who knows if his legs are even going to be able to handle anything. But that's a conversation for a little bit. Uh, but then in the second round, they had their best pick, and that's saying something because Kadarius Tony was crazy. They snagged Aziz Ojulari in the second round. There is no reason he should have been on the board at that point. He was easily a first round talent and possibly the best pass rusher in this class. Very, very solid, and they managed to get him in the second round. I mean, that that certainly helps with an exit like Dalvin Tomlinson because Aziz Ojolari is the kind of player that can help make up for that because he's great against the run and great in the pass, you know, and he can even rush interiorly or outside. He's pretty cool. So that was an amazing steal. No, no, Aziz Ojolari is amazing. I mean, I, 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 there was there was something that came up that made me kind of taper my expectations of Aziz Ojolari. But there's no reason he should have got dropped to pick fifty. Like, no. that's holy. What? Like, what? No, 
I was I had my fingers crossed he was going to fall to Dallas, and then <laughs> didn't happen. But we'll get into Dallas's draft in a little bit. Uh, and then in the third round, they had another crazy good steal. This guy was a borderline first-round guy, too, in Aaron Robinson. How the heck he was still there, I have no earthly idea. Aaron Robinson is going to start for them day one, in my opinion. And he should. If he doesn't, he will start for them by you know week four, week five, week six. Because he is a great, great, great player. He, he can play corner, play safety, play everything. <laughs> I guess Lee is just agreeing with me, period. Well, no, I mean, like, because they, they're yeah. not, like, like, I mean, like like you are saying, I like every single one of their picks. And their first three picks were, like, I mean, the first one maybe not out of the park, but the other two are definitely out of the park. And and the oh, first yeah. one, in my opinion, is out of the park. Oh, yeah. Like. No, they're easily one of the best draft classes, in my opinion. Like, it in was my opinion. so good. Like Aaron, I thought Aaron Robinson was easy going to go in the early second to the 49ers. I thought, oh, the, yeah. I thought the 49ers were going to want a bigger corner like him and pick him up. I literally said that in my mock draft. Yeah, I, no, Aaron. I can't believe he and was he still there. he dropped all the way to 71? Here, here's the worry, though, Giants fans. With how good this draft is, Dave Gentleman might get to keep his job for a little bit longer. I mean, and that's, that's going to... Be a disaster for your organization because he's done nothing but make bad moves except until this draft. So maybe he's turning things around, but I think this is more the anomaly rather than the new than, rule. Than the new norm. Yeah, than the new norm. So uh, I don't know, guys. Also, that coaching staff, I mean, you guys took Jason Garrett for OC. The offense was pretty stale last year. Joe Judge got promoted way, way too soon. He's just another Bill Belichick guy that's probably has nothing from Bill Belichick and it's going to be a failure. So I don't know guys what you guys are doing with that. You guys have a crazy good roster. The giants do the crazy, awesome weapons, great wide receiver core with a uh, Galladay and now Tony, John Ross, Darius Slayton, who I love, uh, Ster- uh not Sterling Shepard. I'm sorry. What's his name? And Shepard. I can't remember his first name right now. I'm running. No, no. Blank. Yeah. It's, it's Sterling Shepard. Yeah, it is Sterling yeah. Shepard. Yeah, okay. yeah, Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Tony, Ross, and Board are like their top guys, yeah. Yeah, and then Shepard. So, and then at tight end now, you still got Evan Ingram, who's a special weapon. And if Kyle Rudolph's able to play, he's pretty cool. Running back, if Saquon Barkley's on the field, easily, you know, one of the best running backs in the league. And you got a decent backup with Booker. You guys have something on offense. And then you go over to defense. Their defense has been solid for years. And it's only getting better, uh, minus their defensive tackles. Defensive tackles are a little rough, but as each Ojolari certainly helps lessen that blow. And the rest of their defense looks good. Uh, yeah, and they've so. got a solid secondary, you know, like with, with Peppers and Jackson. Like, Oh, yeah. No, Jackson's not, not going to be a good player for them. He's yeah. just not worth <laughs> the price tag. The, the price tag's a little sketchy. So, but, you know. So, they, they if, if Daniel Jones can turn into something magically— this this also could win the division, and they could they honestly dark horse to actually do something, but just the likelihood with that coaching staff and then Daniel Jones proving ab- have been proven absolutely nothing to this point. I don't see them winning more than six or seven games, but for my my actual grade of them, I I was fully in the sus and I was borderly on omega sus when, after free agency, but this draft class knocked it all the way the other side over to Truss, and it's it's hovering between Truss and Shrug for me. Because because of the draft class, because even even if this season goes horribly, 
can the coaching staff, can gentlemen, and the new guy, the new the new GM, new coaching staff will have two first round picks to play with and a stellar class from last year. So that's still worth something. Hopefully, Giants fans only have to wait one more year to actually be good, and they don't keep this mediocre pattern that we're seeing. But we'll see. No, yeah, I mean, um, I unfortunately have to go just a little bit below you and say uh, shrug, because uh, I, I it, to me, it's it's still it's. Just like with the Washington football team, it's so dependent on what they do. Like, there are some bright spots. There are some not-so-bright spots. And it's like, which one's which, which one is going to weigh heavier, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, are the bright spots going to outweigh the not-bright or vice versa? And, like, when that is so up in the air, like, to me it's hard to not give it anything more than a shrug. Like, I, again, I think your future can be bright, Giants fans. I think you there is something to hope for and wish for and, and be excited for, 100%. But we just, we just don't, we don't know if it's gonna happen. Like, we really don't. And it, it, hind, it hinges a lot on this coaching staff being good, hinges a lot on the GM actually turning stuff around, and it hinges a lot on y'all answering the quarterback. I mean, hopefully Danny Dimes is y'all's answer so you don't have to find another one, but he he hasn't proven it yet. He's proven that he can overthrow people and then fumble the ball before the, before the, um, the uh, end zone, like, that's what he's proven, and yeah, I like no. Danny Dimes, but that's what cool he, that that's that's what he's done, and so I can't I can't do anything else other than shrug just because it's just like we'll have to see. Yeah, but moving on forward into Philadelphia Eagles. Now the Philadelphia Eagles had easily the roughest start to the off season, but then the Texans happened, so. <laughs> But you guys Don't can watch our ex-Texans rant <laughs> to see all the stuff, all the crap that went on over there. And we'll do it again in the AFC South episode here in a couple weeks. Yeah. But Eagles, absolutely brutal start. You know, all the dysfunction, having to can their head coach and bring in a new guy. And not a lot of head coaches even wanted to touch touch the Eagles. Uh, a lot of head coaching prospects, as I should say, wanted to even touch the Eagles with a 10-foot yeah. pole. Uh they had Carson Wentz having to hit the road. They trade him, though they did get good value for him, but I'll get into that for a second. And I do like the guy they hired in Nick Sirianacci. He's, he's, he's got potential. Not particularly special. I think there were some better options out there. But for what the Eagles had and what they needed to do, he's probably going to be pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, but then traded Carson Wentz, and it looked like they were ushering in Jalen Hurts' era, which I was all for because I love Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts a lot last year. Frankly, I wanted the Cowboys to pick him as their backup quarterback for Dak, and I think our season would have gone a lot better last year if we had had him as backup quarterback rather than Andy Dalton, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's, just, it, it, it's hard to, to, to use up that many higher-level picks on QBs. I mean, QBs, I know y'all didn't oh. use that much on, on Dak, but at the same time, like, I mean, you no, already have your QB. Well, I, well, the Eagles picked him early. A lot of people had him graded as a third- or a fourth-round pick, and no, they picked him in the no, second. I, so that's that's that, fair. The Eagles did pick him early, but I'm just saying, like, it's still no, rough fair. for a team to use Invest up two thirds. Yeah, no, and that's okay. But 
So that it looked like it was going to be Jalen Hurts era, which would have been better, but I'll get into that in a second. Uh, so they did manage to get back for Carson Wentz. Uh, what did they get this year? Was it a second or a third? I can't remember. And oh, then that, this, this year for Wentz? Mm-hmm. And then next year they got a conditional either third, second, or first, and in yes. all likelihood if Carson Wentz plays the whole year, it'll probably be a first. So they probably managed to snag the Colts first next year, which would be crazy awesome for the Eagles. And they might even be looking at having three firsts next year with their own and then the uh, the Dolphins first because of the trade back from pick six to 12. And then, and then the Colts first. The Colts first. So that's potentially three fairly solid picks right there. And that, that can accelerate a rebuild like that because we saw you know teams like the Browns do that kind of thing and just – Wham! They're they you know go from nothing to something in a year, so the three first certainly helps accelerate it. Even if it's not, it's two firsts. They're definitely having two firsts next year, and then they'll get like an extra second, which that's pretty good. So yeah, I mean two firsts and two seconds. I mean that's that's yeah. still. And dumping Carson Wentz's contract is the ultimate win. The fact that they're able to escape from that without having to like where the Rams had to pay to give up Jared Goff. You know, they pay an extra first to just get dump his ass. Frank uh, Reich wanted Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. So they, they should be like, hey, <laughs> just getting rid of him was a win, even if they didn't get much back, but they got great value for him. Uh, so then they managed to re-sign people like Brandon Graham. Excellent move. Brandon Graham's been a stalwart of that defensive line for a long time. They did have to let go of Malik and Deshaun Jackson, two longtime Eagles. That hurts to see them go if you're – if you're an Eagles fan, also had to let go of the Alshon Jeffrey experiment. Never worked out. He was supposed to be the answer at wide receiver, which they've done many, 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 many times with wide receivers. Thought they were the answer, and they weren't. He was just another one. Dumping his contract finally was a good move. Uh, and then, to me, they had one of the better steals in the offseason by snagging Anthony Harris on a one-year $5 million deal. Anthony Harris is a great, great safety. I couldn't believe they managed to snag him for that cheap. I was upset the Cowboys didn't sign him. No, hey, Anthony Harris is yeah, a he's, he's a good safety. He underwhelmed last year after getting franchise tagged, but five million for him. Oh yeah, no, that's 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 a very very good price. That's a very good price. Yeah, because he could he could easily reemerge and become a top ten safety again. So, <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. Okay. So, in one of the more sus moves of the offseason to me, they brought in Joe Flacco, which on the surface didn't look too bad, but then. They announced he's going to be in an open competition with Jalen Hurts for some unknown reason because everybody knows Jalen Hurts is the better player, period. You should just let him run the team for a year. See what you have because he really – he looked like something in the last couple games of the year when they let him have it last season. And then they they really cheated him when Peterson pulled him out in that last game and basically tanked the game. I, I was upset for Jalen Hurts. I love him, and I think he's going to be a good player, and I think he has every shot to actually win the QB job for the future. They they have a real chance at already having their QB of their future on the roster, and if they don't, it's really no harm or foul. They suck this year, have a high pick next year, draft a QB then. Maybe but I, have multiple high picks next year. I mean, maybe, depending on what happens with the— uh, The Dolphins and the, the Colts. Yeah. So, I mean, or, both of them— Or, or he, let's say— all three of them, like let's say all three of them do well, they could bundle them <laughs> to move and get up. Back. I, yeah, if they want to, they they're gonna be they're gonna be just fine. Yeah. As far as the draft goes. Yeah. And so, but I think Jalen Hurts has every every chance to actually have a shot at winning QB of the future. 
this year, and they should have just let him have it. Bringing in Joe Flacco is just another slap in the face to the guy that you already slapped in the face last year. And, it and should I, have been his job way sooner than it was at the end of like by about week eight. Carson Wentz's butt should have been sitting on the bench. Yeah, and they they kept putting out there their thirty million dollar man out there on the on the field, and Jalen Hurts was just sitting there. And every time he came in, he did something. And when it finally became his job, he was thrown for, you know, 300 yards a game, you know, bunches of touchdowns, couldn't win because the roster wasn't great because the coaching was subpar, but he himself was playing well. So I, I don't, I don't know what to expect. The Eagles have been a just absolutely dysfunctional organization since they managed to win the Super Bowl, which is seeming to be more from luck than any talent of their actual, of their actual staff. It's just Foles decided to be magical all of a sudden, and that happens with backup QBs. They just decide, hey, everything clicks this year, and then they go back to being garbage. So, but I, I do, I do want to say, as as a Ravens fan, I mean, I know you all know that I used to be a Texans fan, but I did follow the Ravens at the same time. They were always my second team. I do love Flacco. I think Joe Flacco is a phenomenal quarterback. Was a phenomenal quarterback. Exactly, and. But and he also wasn't ever elite. Like 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 let's not let's not get it twisted, guys. He wasn't ever elite. He wasn't ever like that guy. Like he was that guy for the Ravens because that's all we needed back then with Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs. Like with that kind of a defense, like yeah, if, uh, if we don't we don't need a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or a Dak Prescott or a Russell Wilson. Like we don't need. A quarterback like that. We need a quarterback yeah. like Joe game Flacco. Manage. He's he's at best always been a premier game manager, and at this point in his career, he's not he's not great. He no, might not even not. be a great backup. I mean, it, he he was what at the Jets last year? Yeah, and he was absolutely awful for them. Yeah, like so. I just I just I don't understand how you can look at Jalen Hurts right now and look at Joe Flacco right now and go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either one of these guys can could could get the job. No, it, it's simply disrespectful to Jalen Hurts. You do not want to be making him upset with you when he has a chance to be your 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 face of the franchise and your franchise QB both in this season. Because he could easily hit, fit both of those roles very very quickly. He's a great leader, a great personality. Easily is a fan favorite already. So pissing him off already is not is not the way you want to start a rebuild. And and you want to and you want to know another major dysfunctional thing about the Eagles and their quarterback situation. Apparently, they're still in the running for Deshaun Watson. They're actually leading the chances. They they are ahead of the Texans to get him. Yeah, and that that would not be a great answer either. I mean, for them because because of their salary cap situation, it'd be difficult to fit him in. Could they do it? Yes. Is Deshaun Watson a great player? Yes. I mean, but I he may never play another. But well, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you could be the best quarterback to ever play the game, ever. Period. And but if you've got what's going, what Deshaun Watson has going on off the field now, I mean, obviously we don't know how all of that's going to turn out. But in the worst case scenario, he never touches the football again. Like, the field, ever, period. NFL field, never again. Probably not even, like, arena football. Like, probably nothing. In worst-case scenario. Yeah, he may not even be able to show his face yeah, in public, period. Like, so, <laughs> so, what good is it having that a should phenomenal not be, quarterback if they're not 
going to play because of off the field issues. Yeah, and even if you if you guys do bank on going to go get him and his stuff does get cleared up, I think best case we're probably looking at him missing at least part probably. of next season. Probably. In all likelihood, the the entirety of next season. And with all the stuff going on off the field, that really that can hurt your on the field performance and your career because he's he's probably fully training, doing everything he needs to do. But his mind, there's no way his mind is there. His mind is what's going on with his reputation, especially if he's innocent. He he is going to be laying awake at night every night, mentally suffering because of what's going on off the field and his reputation being being fed through you know chainsawed apart. I mean. You can't come out of that the same. You can't. So, and also sitting out a year, you know, for some players that helps them. I don't think that helps Deshaun Watson. He's still in a developmental stage of his career. Sitting out a year of your prime years, it's not going to help. Yeah, you. I mean, I, and I, I if would he just has say, to, I don't think he, it would hurt him. But help. That that's what you would hope. Yeah, that's what you would hope is that it wouldn't hurt him. But it very well could, and that's been that's no, been the it, precedent it to this point. Enough of the enough of the Eagles offseason. Launching into their draft recap, they moved up from pick twelve to pick ten with Dallas. Gave up a third to move up. Gave it to Dallas, which for Eagles fans, I'm sure hurt. For Dallas, it was kind of fun to see because uh, they managed to get the player that Dallas probably would have drafted anyways at twelve that they would have picked at ten. But Eagles picked Devontae Smith. They had to leap the Giants. You know, regular NFC East. You know, kind of back and forth hating on each other. They had to make sure they had Devontae Smith and make sure the Giants didn't get him. So if that's what you want to do with your with your plethora of picks that the Eagles did have, that's fine. Uh, and and Sirianni did say, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. No, exactly. And that and that's what you got to do. I mean, the NFL is basically war. It yeah. More or less is. So that's a, that's a good policy to have. But picking Devontae Smith... Uh, Frankly, I think it was a little early for Devonta Smith. A lot of people are of the opposite opinion and think it was late. But I think Devonta Smith can be very, very special. I just don't see a way that he's going to play for a long time. The Eagles are a team for whatever reason. You know, I'd, luck is hard to predict, obviously, and chance and karma and all that stuff. But the Eagles have been a team that has been plagued by picking the wrong wide receiver and also a team plagued by injuries at wide receiver for year after year after year for like decades this has been going on. So I don't know how well this is going to work out. With with what's been going on in their wide receiver room, I feel like this was a bad spot for Devonta Smith to go and that there's a pretty good chance he's going to get hurt or he's going to be the wrong choice for them, so to speak. Uh, you know, Hopefully it finally works out. They get their wide receiver of the future and gets to reunite with Jalen Hurts, so that's pretty cool. But I just yeah, I do like that connection a lot. No, it, and it, it has the potential to be absolutely amazing and fix all of their issues. But I don't know if it will. There's a pretty good chance it doesn't. Devontae Smith is the definition of high risk, yeah. uh, high reward. And the other thing with Devontae Smith, he could go out there and play for six games and be headed for offensive rookie of the year, and then he could get hurt and his career be over with how skinny his legs is. At any second, it could be end of the career with him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've I've got I've got faith that like, like, because we we have seen you know people who don't weigh that much. I know they're not normally as tall and lanky as Devonte. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I understand Devonte is extremely skinny. Oh. I, I get that. But but what I am saying is that like, 
I mean, obviously, you always hope for the best. And and when it comes to, like, professional football, I have faith in the process of professional teams to do their job. So I'm, I'm hoping and 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 have a little bit of faith that he is that 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 he's not just going to get broken on the first hit that he takes that's that's the hope yeah but i i'm just i'm just saying like like it, it but it's it, it's ooh, words it is always so hard to say somebody's going to be injury prone from the get go but it's also hard to not look at his frame and go like what a I mean not to just pick on or not just to pick you know defensive players from the Ravens but a Terrell Suggs a uh uh Ray Lewis you know a a, really truly elite defensive player or elite hitter Aaron Donald uh JJ Watt uh TJ Watt yeah like there's a lot of people I mean I know they're normally on the line so they're probably not going to hit Devontae but like but then you're looking at Tyron Matthew, even Justin Simmons, Matthew. Jabril Peppers. I mean, these guys, they could – Jabril Peppers plays for the Giants. He's going to see him twice. Jabril Hitters has a, has a tendency to smack people. So, yeah. I mean, even Donovan Wilson for the Cowboys, a lesser-known safety boot. You know what? When he's on the field, he lays he lays the wood. So, you know, he lays the wood one time to Devontae Smith's leg. It's gone. It, me as a guy who sits on the couch for a living, basically – should not have similarly sized legs to an NFL player. Period. Ever, and that's that's what it is with him, you know. And I I don't know, but that's no no I get it. But but moving on yeah. to Landon Dickerson, yeah, Landon Dickerson in the second round. I love that pick. Everybody knows that I was probably too high on Landon Dickerson. You know, I got I got a chewing out over and over from Lee even after that podcast. He chewed me out on every phone call. About that, dude. That I just I don't get it. Hey, but that's <laughs> the problem for the Eagles here is it's continuing the trend of injury-prone players for the Eagles. See, like with Devonte Smith, you know Devonte Smith is, could be a walking injury-prone player. Landon Dickerson, who knows how long his career is going to be with injury issues? I'll admit that if he's on the field, he's got Hall of Fame potential. So does Devonte Smith because they're both special players. But well, who knows what you're going to get? So. I don't know. I don't know about that. Then Milton Williams in the third. That was a pretty solid pick. But overall, it's just everything the Eagles did just over and over and over again. They had a couple of bright spots here and there. I liked them picking up Jordan Howard. Obviously, Anthony Harris loved that pickup. You know, cutting some dead weight with Deshaun Jackson, Malik Jackson. But overall, their whole offseason was just pretty awful, frankly. So I'm going to have to slap an Omega Sus on it. Just period. You can't have another grade other than that. I mean. If you leave the Texans out of this, because they're in another they're another class of their own, the Eagles are the most dysfunctional organization in the league right now, and they they would have been the most organi- dysfunctional organization for a long time previous and probably a long time to come with how bad you know when the Super Bowl four years ago to this. Come on, guys, how how do you how do you screw up that bad? It was the same no. roster. It's the same roster, <laughs> and you just no. It 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 literally takes a a. Uh historically dysfunctional team to outdo this. And Howie that Roseman historically is dysfunctional horrible, team is the Texans now. Yeah. Howie Roseman's a horrible GM. Peterson clearly wasn't a good coach. Players didn't really like him, apparently. You know, him and Carson Wentz wouldn't even, weren't even on speaking terms no, for half yeah. the season. 
Yeah, how, no, this how past you... season they were they were like they were like fighting with each other. Yeah, and then so now both of them are hit the door. How is the rest of the team supposed to feel? I mean, the the locker room was split between whether they wanted Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts on the field uh, during last season, and so there's a good part of them that are behind Jalen Hurts, and probably a good part of them that are behind Carson Wentz still. And they they sent their guy to the door, so it's. I don't see how the dysfunction is left after this one season. It's it's probably going to continue to be messy for a good couple of years. No, and that's 100% fair. And I get why you're being so critical of it. Because, uh, it, it, I mean, just, just like you said, in, in any other normal freaking offseason, the Eagles would 100% be the most dysfunctional team in the league. Easy. Like, it, it's... It's it's weird how how like how dysfunctional the Eagles are, and then how dysfunctional the Texans are, and then the rest of the league. Yeah, the rest of the league, frankly, there's not another team that's even in the same category. I mean, the yeah. Giants are fairly fairly low on the totem pole. You yeah, know, but like like that. But, it's but like, here's the bottom of the here's the bottom of the NFL. Here's the Eagles, and then here's the Texans. It's like they're both in their own leagues separately from the rest of the league. But with all of that being said, I do still like their draft picks. I do still like some of the things they did in the offseason. Like you were saying, you know, like, uh, um, oh, my God, I just forgot his name, even though you just said it. Uh, the safety they got. Oh, Anthony Harris. At Harris. I, and and I, I like their roster because I like Jalen Hurts and I like the rest of the pieces on their team. And I like the uh, I, I don't want to say the unknown but like we'll see what Nick Sirianni can do you know mm-hmm. but then yeah but then there's all that dysfunction and so like again I'm in this weird like in between place I have to give it another shrug I don't I A don't shrug? know how to feel wow. I That's don't know high. how to feel about these teams like because it's like there are some good things and there are some bad things. I understand the Eagles have a lot more bad things than some of these other teams. But they also did some other good things like we were talking about, you know. So it's like they could – I mean, and again, they could they could win in spite of themselves again. You know, Jalen Hurts could come out there and be special and, you know, some of the other teams underperform, i.e. Dallas or the Giants or Washington. You know, any of them yeah. underperform. Eagles get some good luck and then all of a sudden they're winning the division. The yeah. NFC East no. is – People call it the NFC least, and I hate it because at the very least, even if they're all bad, which they were kind of last competitive. season, they're all competitive, and you never know who's going to win. You don't see that with, you know, the AFC West has been the Chiefs' run division for a very, very long time. I, I'm sorry, I said NFC West, AFC West. Then a, the AFC uh, South, not not incredibly competitive year to year. AFC North with the, I'm sorry, AFC East with the Patriots, not incredibly competitive. AFC yeah, North yeah. was even run by the Steelers for a very, no, yeah. very and, long and, time. And I mean, even even talking about the NFC West back when the Seattle Seahawks did go to the playoffs with a losing record, that division was not competitive that year. No, no, it wasn't. And the, and the Seahawks ran that division for a long time. It's very competitive now, but it was not for a very long time. The Cardinals and the Rams were trash, and the 49ers have been trash for most of the 2000s. So... It was Seahawks run for a very long time, and all these other divisions are usually run by one team. The NFC East, year after year, is split between all of these teams. There there hasn't been a repeat winner since, like, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years. It's something ridiculous. 
It, it's, it, it has been a very, very long time. And, but, like, because of that, like, it's because of that, it's because the, the conference can always be so competitive, and because, it, in my personal opinion, at least the teams we've talked about so far, we'll find out what I think about the last team in a second. Oh, boy. Um, but, like, they've, it's, it's all been, like, they've got good things and they've got bad things. Let's see which one outweighs each other. Because they can win in spite of themselves. They can lose in spite of themselves. And it's just, like... They've all got decent futures. They've all got decent rosters. You know, yeah, especially so with like, Washington just, and I'm Dallas. Just, like... Washington and Dallas, if, if everything was right with them, they, there's no reason they shouldn't be Super Bowl contenders next year. Uh, no, honestly, if... if, if, if all four of these teams had, like, I mean, I don't want to say the Dallas Cowboys have an incompetent front of house, but if they had a little bit less egotistical front of house <laughs> That's and, a and, and the other teams had, had a more competent front of house, I, I this division could probably be the scariest division in all of sports. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If the Eagles hadn't thrown away their championship roster and the Giants could actually win something and then Washington could figure themselves out and then Dallas could just... They've they've had one of the most talented rosters in the league, pretty much undisputably, for like the last ten years, year after year, and yet they never win anything. It causes me physical pain to no end. You guys don't even know. <laughs> I lay awake at night. It. I, I know I, there's I said a the egotistical. I know I know the reason for it. Okay, <laughs> but Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, etc. But <laughs> the Jones. Let's, let's actually launch into the Dallas Cowboys offseason. <laughs> uh, so to start out the off season, you know there was there was a lot of question marks going in the off season. Hugely underwhelming last season. There were, the hopes were through the roof. They had a lot of injuries and then poor coaching, in my opinion, particularly from Mike McCarthy. Hmm. I'll try to do a question mark. Oh, <laughs> but I did it backwards. Uh, you're good. So they they fired Mike Nolan, who was the defensive coordinator. He was absolutely awful. We had a historically bad defense. It was ter- if not once again, if not for the Texans, we would have had easily the worst defense in the league. But sorry to keep hating on them. No, it's, uh, but it's so true. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm I'm sorry. I you said it. I just have to say just real quick. It's it is astonishing to me how much how much like these teams who would have been the bottom of that respective stat or whatever for anything. And the Texans had to be like, yeah, we're just going to be historically bad this year. We're going to be historically so much worse than you are. So much. Deshaun Watson can pass for the most yards out of any quarterback period in the entire league and still only win four games because the defense allows the most points ever by a defense in a season ever. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. But so the Cowboys bring in Dan Quinn, Excellent move, I thought at the time. There's a little bit of sus on it now, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I was Dan Quinn was a great defensive coordinator for Seattle. Pieces never clicked in Atlanta, and I don't think he was a particularly good head coach. But I think he can truly be a, a special defensive coordinator. I mean, he ran he's the league. Got a good defensive boom. mind, 100. percent He's one of he. I mean, I don't know if he still is anymore because he's been out of it for a few years. But he was the premier defensive mind in the league, running the Legion of Boom, and he might still be because Atlanta still ran some pretty good schemes. The talent was a little sketchy. They Atlanta was absolutely plagued by injuries the yes. last couple of years, especially on defense. So it's it's hard to really blame him for the defensive woes in Atlanta. So 
you know, with Dallas, there's a whole heck of a lot more talent on that defense than there was in Atlanta. Um, but so that was their first move. Then their second move, which was this is this is where the bias comes in that we mentioned earlier. One of the best moves of the entire offseason, finally giving Dak his big, beautiful extension. He deserves every penny of it. He's a saint. Beautiful man. He deserves it. Great player. Uh, you know, everybody, the $40 million a year and all that stuff. Yeah, no, he's, he's worth it. In a couple of years, it's going to be looking like a bargain. They structured it well, so it's not going to absolutely brutalize our cap. So it, everything no, no, about no. it. Oh, one, one thing I will say, for contracts going forward for QBs, people do need to look at how the Cowboys structured this contract because it is very well structured, 100%. Like, Yeah, no, it's, and, it, and it's going to make it so Dallas can remain a contender. Because usually when you when you hand your quarterback his first big extension, this is probably why Dallas has been hesitant to give it to him the previous two years. It's hard to win a championship once you're paying your, your quarterback. But they, they structure it in such a way it's not going to be such a huge cap hit. So that $40 million is what he's going to be making, but the cap hit's significantly less than $40 million. So in theory, everything should they should continue to remain competitive, continue to have cap space to pay other players, bring in free agents, etc. Um. And then they made some other smaller-time moves, uh, other than the Dak Prescott move, because it, it wiped out a large portion of cap. It did. We didn't have a ton of cap space, but we made some smart moves. A painful move, though, was letting our long-time, long snapper go, and LP Latisseur, he's been around my whole life, pretty yeah. much. Like I, I think he started in like 2003 or 2005 or something, and just for the record, I was born in 2001. But, uh, Dating yourself. I know. It's just for the purpose of the statement. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I miss. Uh, we let him go. I liked him. He never made a mistake. We replaced him, and this was a little bit dirty. I mean, we have John Fassel as our special teams coordinator who we took from the Rams last year. He's completely replaced our full special teams, brought in his own guys, brought in Greg Zerline, brought in now the Rams' former long snapper, Jake McQuaid, and then he cut Chris Jones. Our, our special teams room was basically the same with those guys for many, many years. So it felt a little bit dirty. But we got younger and, in theory, got more talented because uh, Jake McQuaid is – he's the younger version of L.P. Latticeur because L.P. Latticeur yeah. was coming up on 40. So he was old. Jake McQuaid's 30. He's already made a bunch of Pro Bowls. He's going to be good. Uh, then we also got in some of the bigger moves that we did – Brought in Keanu Neal and DeMonte Casey, both of Dan Quinn's former safeties from Atlanta. They're both they're both really really good. Both are injury prone, yes. so that's a little that's a little sketchy. But both of them have the potential to make a crap ton of tackles and make turnovers, which is something Dallas has been lacking for a long long time. Dallas can never seem to find a way to make turnovers on defense, and every year I'll go ahead and say it they they bring in these guys that are like, yeah, we're gonna have turnovers now. I mean, we did it with Brandon Carr many many years ago. It's, and then just they don't make turnovers in Dallas, and I don't I don't know if Dallas is just they get there and the turnover switch gets turned off because of something with the organization. I don't know, but hopefully these guys can actually do it. Demonte Casey led the league one year in interceptions. Maybe he can do it again if he stays healthy. We'll see. But both of them fairly cheap contracts, so no harm no foul if they're not any good. They also brought in some smart discount moves with Terrell Basham and Brent Urban should help shore up. That defensive line, Terrell Basham's an excellent rotational pass rusher. Brent Urban is one of the more underrated players in the league, especially with his run-stopping ability from the defensive tackle position. He's yeah. really, really good, and we got him for really cheap. 
Uh, we also brought back some of our own with Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown, and Jordan Lewis. All good moves, in my opinion. And we did have to let Alden Smith go, which turns out was for the best because now he's having, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Off the some field issues again. He's such a good player. I don't know why he can't just get his head, just keep it screwed on straight. It's not that hard. Just behave. You make a bunch of money. You just, mean, just, <laughs> just just do do everything legally. I don't I don't understand why it's that hard. But <laughs> so he he left. Uh, then we also had to let Shadobia Wuzier go, which kind of hurt. He underwhelmed last year though when he was supposed to emerge. So it's ultimately not that painful. We should get a decent compensatory pick from him. He went to Cincinnati, uh, and then. We declined Leighton Vander Esch's option, which leads into the draft. So Leighton Vander Esch, I'm a big fan of him, but it seems like he's on his way out the door now. Because of our first draft pick with Micah Parsons. <sighs> okay. So Micah Parsons is a good potential player. He's a good potential player. Doesn't have an IQ on or off the field does not have a very high IQ on or off the field, and that hurts. Dallas is notorious for bringing on these locker room cancers, and before I used to be like, nah, it's, they hire about the same amount of criminals as any other team. You know, they, they go out and sign about the same, draft about the same. And I, and I like that Dallas gives guys second chances, especially when it's with drug issues. I mean, I, I, I like to see give those players a second chance and see if they can make something themselves because a lot of times their drug issues aren't their fault. You know, it's, it's a mental disorder. They get addicted, whatever upbringing etc but when when you do stuff like what Micah Parsons did at Penn State which I won't get into the graphic details if you want to look it up you can he did some truly awful stuff at Penn State if what what is said is true because obviously it's all accusations uh and also he's just been an immature guy and then hopefully he's matured he took a year off he's he's been he's being a great dad to his son from my all indications and you know having a kid can mature you really quickly so hopefully all his immaturity is behind him, and he learned his lesson. And uh, Dallas should do like what they did with Des many years ago and put a harsh leash on him. Sadly, we don't have my boy Jason Witten anymore to to keep him in line. But you know, find find that guy for him that's going to keep him in line. You know, may, maybe it's Demarcus Lawrence. You know, may, maybe it's maybe it's still Leighton Vanderesh. Leighton Vanderesh has always had his head screwed on straight, even if he's only there for a couple more years now. He can, I think, Leighton Vanderesh is mature enough. He'll help Micah Parsons. Maybe it's you know a guy on offense still, a Zach Martin or something. But keep him in line, and he can be something. He could win Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's the Vegas odds favorite to win. He he can be a good player, and I do like that we managed to trade back and still pick him up at twelve rather than if we picked him at ten where we were sitting and got nothing. I would have been, because I I was I was done. I was ready to turn off the draft when we picked that up. <laughs> I was I was so so upset. Lee well, called me I mean, like, you 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 were. I think you were a little bit more upset with the with the Broncos pick, but yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I mean they they stole like, it, they, they our last for no reason. For, you. <laughs> for no reason, they did not need him. But <laughs> just why? <sighs> so they did this to us. Denver fell down a few notches as far as my respect points for them. <laughs> but moving on, uh, our second round pick was not a big fan of it when it happened. I've come around on it as well. When we picked Kelvin Joseph, when we first picked him, I was like, oh, that's a massive reach. And I frankly had not done a ton of research on him. I did for our cast enough to scout initially. I did a lot more once he was on the team because I was looking for more in-depth analysis of him. 
he can be a good player. He's remarkably inexperienced and, once again, extremely immature off the field. I mean, he got kicked out for cheating and fighting with teammates and all this stuff out of LSU. Why, why are we pick, you? You can have one character issue on your draft. You can, you can pick one. Why are we picking all these guys that have these issues? I don't, I don't understand it. And also, a fear. Kelvin Joseph has, in theory, put these these uh, theories to bed about him football not being his main commitment because of his rap career as boss man fat off the field. A lot that was a, apparently a common question in the pre-draft process from teams. They're like, "Is football even your first love?" Because it seems like you love your music more, and if football's not going well, you could just walk away. Yeah, and as a high draft pick. You know, what, what if he decides after this season, you know, I football's kind of hurting my body, and he has a fairly prolific rap career. What if he just decides, eh, I'll just go be a rapper now. We're just out of second-round pick now, you know. Now, hopefully, that's not true. He said he's putting his rap career on hold, but all it takes is him, you know, maybe he doesn't get the playing time he wants, maybe he doesn't get well along with the coaches or whatever, and he's just like, meh, meh, screw football. I can make as much money doing doing rapping is this maybe he can maybe he can't but what that's neither here nor there uh, so but he could be a truly special player based on the nine games that he played he should have been a first round talent but once again only nine games these other guys are putting 20 30 games on film and he's got nine so big risk big reward uh then third round we reached on every single one of our third round picks we had three of them and I, I went into third round extremely optimistic. I'm like, we've got three picks. We're not going to screw this up. We could trade up if we want to. We can. There's a lot of guys that are still on the board for no apparent reason. They're just kind of sitting around like Aaron Robinson, a lot of these guys. We can fix this draft class, guys. We can do it. And what do we do? We go pick Osa Odigasawa, which wasn't that bad. He's a good player. A little early for him, probably fourth or fifth round guy. And I'm like, okay, we still got two left. He, he can be a contributor. He's a little raw, but it's third round. It's okay if that's what you want to do. Then we go pick Chauncey Golston, who was an undrafted talent by most people's opinions, at best fifth or sixth rounder. And I was like, oh, boy, here it goes. Because I Chauncey Golston, frankly, has a long shot to make the team with the depth we have at defensive end. He, I don't know how he makes – obviously we're going to keep him because we spent a third-round pick on him. But if, if we had drafted him in the fifth or sixth round where he's supposed to go, he might not have made the team. It's just his draft slot that's going to make him make the team. And this is where the Dan Quinn sus comes in. Is He's just rebuilding our entire defense, which defensive talent-wise, we were fine. But he's just rebuilding it in his image of his ideal measurements. Because that's what they're doing. They're drafting measurements and athletic freaks in every every single round, every single position, to just push out these guys that have been around forever that don't fit Dan Quinn's measurements. That's that's not what you do. So I'm afraid we're in for another really painful year on defense because we're going to have a lot of young, unproven guys that were drafted way over their draft slot playing significant snaps. And it's I, I don't see how it goes well. It's like he was just drafting for measurements. There were other good defensive players still there that he could have had. Or we could have even gone over to the offense side and picked some offensive linemen. And I, I don't know why we did that. But then the, the last third-round pick was the biggest, biggest whiff of them all in drafting Deshaun Wright. I had never heard of the man when we picked him. <laughs> I, I literally turned off the TV when we picked him. I, I didn't even want to hear the – I heard one of the – on the particular draft stream that I was watching, the guy goes, I've never heard of him. 
And I was like, I've never heard of him either. This can't be good. And I just turned on. I was like, okay, it's bedtime. I've got work tomorrow. This is this, enough of this. <laughs> I, uh, why did we do that? Now, since, once again, I, you know, because I'm looking to be optimistic, Nashawn Wright looks like he can be something. He's still not anywhere close to worth a third-round pick. He was an undrafted talent through and through. His thing is, is that he's gigantic. He's 6'4". We picked the only two 6'4 corners in this draft with him and then Israel Mukamu in the sixth round. The only two in the whole draft, and Dallas picks both of them because Dan Quinn loves his long, lengthy corners. Now, Sean Wright is NFL comparisons Richard Sherman because he has similar measurements and all this stuff. He's no Richard Sherman. That's He even compared himself to Richard Sherman in a recent interview. That got, He's like, I can be a more athletic Richard Sherman and all this stuff. And I was like... You've proven absolutely nothing. Richard Sherman's an all-time great, and you're going to say that kind of crap? Really? And, and apparently he meant no disrespect to Richard Sherman. He called him, and all went fine, whatever. But really, guy? And really, Dallas? Why are you believing in this guy? But – No, like – like, and, and, and it's and it's not like the later-round picks can't be Hall of Famers. Because no, they can. we see it happen all the freaking time. And it's cool to have that kind of confidence in yourself. But like at the same time, like you like, you haven't it doesn't a look single too thing. good. Doesn't doesn't look too good when you're prouncing around saying that you can be a more athletic version of a dude who is an undeniable Hall of Famer. I mean, come on, Richard Sherman like, is one of the all-time greats. Player, period. Not even just as a corner. Like it, it would, it would, it would be like I, I would, I would almost compare that to like, I mean. I don't want to say Tom Brady because I, I understand Tom Brady and, and Richard Sherman are on different levels, but it would be kind of like if if uh, uh, Mac Jones came in and was all like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a more athletic Tom Brady. Come on, guy. Just, you can say I want to be a more athletic or something, but you don't come out there and say I am. Yeah. You have not proven a single freaking thing yet on the field. And that that's the – that did not make me real happy with his personality either. It made me think he was immature as well. But we salvaged the draft to some extent with arguably, in my opinion, it was the biggest deal, but it is arguable because it depends on what lens you're looking through. In the fourth round, we stole Jabril Cox. Crazy awesome pick. If we had picked him, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. If we had picked him at pick 12 in the first round, I wouldn't have batted an eye. That's how high I am on Jabril Cox. Like if if him and him and Micah Parsons had been reversed, I would have been all over the like this draft class. Like sure, the third round was real sus, but hey, we we killed it with these guys. So that's just what I'm gonna choose to look at it through that lens. That Jabril Cox and Micah Parsons are reversed. <laughs> I mean that's 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 a pretty big reverse though. That's a pretty. Big <laughs> I know, I know it is, but we could have picked him in the second round or the third round, and I would absolutely love the pick and thought it was a steal. Like that's how high I am on Jabril Cox. No, no, I, no, no. I love Jabril Cox. I. I I, I think it's criminal he went in the fourth round. No, and it's criminal for his pay. He deserves to be paid. Excuse me. He deserves to be being paid triple what he is as a fourth-round salary. He has every reason to be starting day one. The only reason he will not is because Dallas has three stellar linebackers already. But and he's going to they, find significant playing snaps anyways, and Leighton Van Der Esch is probably headed out the door. And the cool thing with Micah Parsons is he plays other positions. So there's probably going to be a lot of snaps where all four of them are on the field, just playing different things. Jalen Smith's very athletic, can edge rush some. So can Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons can even play some safety. 
box safety. You know, yeah. Leighton Vander Esch plays all three linebacker spots pretty well. So it could be a lot of fun to see what what Dan Quinn cooks up with those four linebackers. So we'll 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 see what happens with that. And also, we did. I think we stole Quentin Bohanna in the sixth round. He he's a space eating defensive tackle. That's what he is. He's a big boy. Dallas has never had a big boy defensive tackle since Jay Ratliff, of of any talent, I would say. Because we yeah. we took Dontari Poe last year, and that was an absolute disaster. And we we've tried a couple other space eating defensive tackles over the years, and we've never been able to find one. I think Bohanna is the one. I think there's a good chance he's even starting day one, and if not, he's starting and playing significant snaps by middle of the season. It's That was an excellent pick and kind of also helped salvage his draft class. But overall, the draft class still pretty pretty sus. Um, and I do want to add something about the draft, and and I'm fairly certain that I'm the one who brought this up to you, Joel. So you look at it, and you look, you see the first six picks are all defense, right? Uh, you, I know you told me this is that also all six of these defense defensive players were at the uh, pro day or at the not Dan Quinn was Dan Quinn met with them to some capacity or saw them play. Yeah, yeah, he physically saw them play, mm-hmm. like at like the at either pro day or the senior bowl or senior what bowl. Have you. That's the word I was looking for. Senior bowl. Yeah. Yes. Um. And so it definitely feels like that they just handed Dan Quinn the first six picks and said, pick. Now, what else does that signal to me personally? It signals that they are, you know, comfortable with him having a position of power. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get front office position, but, you know. He, he waltzed in there in a, in a place of extreme egomaniacs with Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, and they handed him the reins. And we're like, here, you run, you run this draft class, pick what you want. It's like Mike McCarthy turned into Santa and sat Dan Quinn down on his lap and said, what do you want, little boy? You know, like, that's, that's so how it that felt. Makes, yeah, that makes me feel like if things don't work out with Mike McCarthy, that Dan Quinn is just going to get promoted to head coach. And I don't know how that's going to go because we Dan- already saw him be a head coach and it wasn't that good. And no. that and that for me and that for me is my single most sus on the Cowboys and it's been that sus for all of eternity for the last 25 years they can't pick a coaching staff it's they, not they really can't they 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 Jerry Jones cannot get out of his own way to get the right coach he just he he he's like physically and mentally incapable of picking a winning coach for just some reason for just, I, I don't, I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if it, if it's, if it's selfishness, I don't know if it's, he wants a friend and is, is too nice to them. I, I don't, no one I don't knows know what it is, but it's, it is, it's so sus to me. And, and looking at this draft is what it screams to me is that they're handing Dan Quinn the reins. And also on top of that, I don't think any of this draft class stuff really even fixes the main problems of your defense. I mean, hopefully, hopefully this, this set that I was going to, that I'm going to say right now is more because of scheme and Dan Quinn can fix that for you guys. But, uh, 
the Cowboys last year, I mean, we, we've already agreed before previously that uh, their rushing defense was uh, quite bad. And it was so bad that they allowed, on average, three and a half yards before contact. That was a problem with the defensive tackles. That's that's what that was. Our defensive tackles didn't know what to do. And and the scheme was really, really bad. So in theory, in theory, that's fixed because Dan Quinn is a way thousand times better of a defensive mind than what Mike Nolan was. Because Mike Nolan didn't know how to scheme against the run. Our passing he didn't. scheme was okay as far as our pass defense. But our talent back there was absolutely god-awful, frankly. I mean, Trayvon Diggs was the only one with any kind of pedigree. Uh, Wuzier did, you know, he's drafted high, never lived up to expectations. The rest of those guys, late round picks, just period. Didn't didn't have safeties to speak of at all. You know, now we've got Keanu Neal, Demonte Casey, and Donovan Wilson did emerge as somewhat of a talent, so that's cool. But I don't I don't know that they like you said linebacker to me was our least need, and that's where we threw the most resources at. And I was just like, you got two arguably first round talents. Yeah. Also, with with the the linebackers, linebackers are kind of the running backs of the defense. They're the easiest ones to replace in general. It's not it's not an exact comparison. Yeah. They're in general the easiest to replace. They're also the most injury prone and they're most inconsistent from year to year. You can have a linebacker lead the league and be, you know, an all pro one year, like we saw with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, and then the next year be basically hot garbage. Because it's almost dependent upon scheme entirely rather than because i think most linebackers are fairly equal as far as athleticism michael parsons is in another class i'll give him that you know there's there's been a few other ones isaiah simmons last year you know luke keekley was extremely athletic bobby wagner is extremely athletic some of those guys they're they're in a different class as far as but the rest of them they're all about but, the but this 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 is a generalization yeah like obviously there's always going to be people who break the rule like break yeah. the generalization but Generally speaking, yeah, you're not wrong. Like the the linebacker, notoriously has been you know a thing that you can replace year after year. You pick you pick a fourth round linebacker, develop him just a, just a little bit, and he's immediately a starter. Just time after time, and they also get hurt all the time, and you've got to have like eight of them. So why why we threw the most resources there? I don't know. Did we need to draft linebackers? Yes, we did, but I don't. I mean, Jalen Smith was a second-round pick who should have been a first-round pick, and then Leighton Van Der Esch was a first-round pick. That is enough of high draft picks for you to throw at linebacker. And then also y'all got Keanu Neal now. Yeah, Keanu Neal, we also signed him to be a linebacker-safety hybrid. He's even listed as a weak-side linebacker right now. Yeah, he is. So I, I don't know what their plan is there. Dan Quinn may come out there and have some kind of magical scheme, and I absolutely love it, and our defense is totally fixed. But it still, it still leaves a sus of is what if the Cowboys are bad again next year and underwhelm and Mike McCarthy is kicked to the curb? It seems like it's Dan Quinn's team at that point, and I will not be a fan of that move whatsoever. If we're going to promote from within, which we should not, it should be Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore has grown up with Dallas. He's very young, very promising, and they're just they're ignoring him. If if we're not careful, he's going to be running off to another team to go lead them. He he is. This may be a little bit of bias towards the Cowboys, but he seems like the next kind of Sean McVay. He's the no, next he's, offensive mind. 
He's incredible. I, I love the guy. I, even when he was a backup quarterback, when he was on the field, his arm was mediocre at best, but he, his head game was a thousand times better, and that's why he was able to remain on rosters for as long as he did. So he, was a, he was an undrafted type guy, but his, his dad was a college coach. You know, when, when, when uh, he was in Dallas as their backup QB, you know, he worked very tightly with our former offensive coordinator, Scott Linehan, was basically a coach on the field already. And then Dak Prescott fully – you can ask – I mean, you, you as a viewer probably can't ask Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott has said that, you know, he credits Kellen Moore for his development. That – you develop Dak Prescott? Come on. Dak Prescott was also a fourth-round guy, and you help him develop into that? Kellen, I absolutely love Kellen Moore. If, any, if it's anybody's job, it needs to be his, and he's not getting enough say in the organization. Just keep on bringing in these old, experienced guys, Mike McCarthy – Mike Nolan was also an old, experienced guy. Now Dan Quinn, all these ancient dudes in here that have been failures elsewhere, been good I mean, at various points. Previous with Wade Phillips, like before Jason Garrett, like it it seems like that's an mo. They tried it with Jason Garrett, it didn't work, but they tried it for way too long. Yeah, it's they keep bringing in all these old fogies, is what they do. I mean, even even before Wade Phillips, Parcells, ancient. Great coach, only coached for us for a few years. Had a you know built a good team, but he was gone before he could actually build anything. You know, all these guys we keep bringing in all these old guys. The only young, good mind that we had, you know, as at head coach was Jimmy Johnson, and he's the one that won us Super Bowls. And it Kellen was his Moore, roster that still won you a Super Bowl after he with, left with Barry Switzer, who was another old fogey. So, just hand the roster to a talented guy. Last year, with the guy I wanted us to get was Lincoln Riley. I mean, yes, he's a college coach. College coaches are notoriously dangerous when you hire them as NFL head coaches because they either are wonderful or they're trash, and there's really no in-between. But I think Lincoln Riley could have been the real deal, and I think you know, handing a college coach the reins of the Dallas Cowboys is going to work out. I mean, he's not going to tell you no. <laughs> that It would be pretty difficult. So that that's the kind of thing I want them to do in the future, and it doesn't seem like they're going to do it. So if Mike McCarthy gets kicked to the curb either after this season or next season or whatever, he doesn't seem long for the role based on what he's been doing. Dan Quinn looks like he's being groomed already. Don't like that. Kellen Moore could leave and go take over another team next year. I mean, he's had some head coaching interviews already. I, I I mean, even if he just goes and be be like an OC for a year with with an option of becoming a head coach somewhere else, like that could also be appealing to him. No, it could. He did. He did. However, because I thought he was going to leave this offseason because he was offered a head coaching job in college to go back down to the level, and he thought about it. He was close, and Dallas handed them a lot of money to keep him. So, and they gave him a three year extension. So, hopefully, he sticks around for a little bit, unless there's a head coaching opportunity that comes around in the league. But that. You know, if Dallas comes out there with another top three offense statistically for the third year in a row, for all three years, he's run it single-handedly. I don't know how he doesn't get a head coaching job next offseason. And if Dallas doesn't make it far into the playoffs, I think they need to go ahead and tell McCarthy to hit hit the road, get out of here with your, your Pillsbury Doughboy. Pillsbury Doughboy? Yeah, get, get out of here and let yeah. Kellen Moore have the reins. And just just keep him because I I think he could actually develop something. And when when your when your quarterback and your head coach have a relationship like what Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore would have, the sky is the limit for what oh you can that would be yeah Make, that would that would be amazing. The that, head coach that, and the quarterback should be best friends. When they're not and they have a relationship like what Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy had 
and you know, like Brett Favre had issues with the head coach he was with, and what Russell Wilson is having with Pete Carroll and all these guys. That's that's when you have messy divorces and your team implodes. So or, Nick, I mean, also even look at like I mean I know this was last season, but Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien, messy divorce, and now their team is in shambles. It you want your head coach and your quarterback to be best friends, and I. They they have the perfect opportunity to do this, and it's not like Kellen Moore is un unworthy of the job either. He's deserved it. I mean, sure he's freaking young, but we saw it work oh, with Sean McVay. It. We saw it work with Sean McVay. We've seen it work a couple of times now. The younger head coaches are actually doing fairly well. They didn't used to, and that was for a reason. But now with new age, they grow up in this new age. The old guys, you know, they're still they're still coaching eighties, nineties football. But, you know, these guys that grow up in the pass-heavy league, they can actually do stuff. So, I mean, you, I mean, also look at both of the McFloors, like both brothers. They're both they're both pretty young when they're getting their, their – I mean, yeah. I know uh, Mike I, – I get them confused all the time. Which LeFleur one is the, with the – Which Mike one is LeFleur the Green Bay with, head coach? I think it's Mike LaFleur, I think. Mike? Okay, so Matt. So. Matt, right? Matt's the other no. one? Is it? I gotta look it up now. <laughs> Whichever Lafleur, uh, uh, did I say McFleur? By the way, whichever Lafleur, there you is go. <laughs> over in New York right now with Robert Sala, he's probably also going to eventually get a head coaching job relatively soon. Matt Lafleur is Packers head coach. Mike is in. Mike is in uh, Jets. Got it. But yeah. like the 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 Lafleur blood. The floor brothers are pretty young as well. I mean, they're not as young as Kellen, but like at the same time, like like you're saying, like these younger coaches are getting these opportunities now, and it's he's like, already the youngest OC, and he's proven he deserved it. Yeah, he's run it beautifully. I mean, he was a freaking young QB coach too, and he he wonderful job there too. I mean, he he's been there for Dak Prescott's entire career, and I I do credit some of Dak's success to Kellen Moore. I don't think no, Dak is and, the same type of player. It's hard not, not to. Not I mean, especially when Dak says it himself. Yeah, he knows. I mean, one day when Dak's in the Hall of Fame, it might be Kellen Moore standing up there giving giving Dak Prescott's speech. I mean, I know that was a big statement saying, you know, when he's in the Hall of Fame. But I'll say if, if he makes it. You know, that, that it very well could be Kellen Moore standing up there. That's the guy you want as a head coach. The answer is in Jerry Jones. It's right in front of his nose. And it's he's too blind to see it, and it's killing me. But uh, let's let's get to what where 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 you would put them on the meter. I got off. We've on been a rambling. I love it. I love talking about the NFC. Sorry, guys. No, uh, no, it's all good. Hey, I totally understand it. Yeah. So I do have a trust on the Cowboys offseason because of the Dak signing. The Dak signing was beautiful, and even if they completely fumbled the rest of the offseason, which they kind of did. <laughs> It it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really affect that they they locked down the most important piece in Dak and they locked him down well they did not overpay him and they did not do a horrible contract design that they're going to be regretting next season so ultimately you get that right you're good and there's a lot of hope to be had like what we did, talked about Dan Quinn fixing the defense if he can fix the defense and it's not as bad sky's the limit for what the Cowboys can be you know say say the Cowboys defense all of a sudden. They, I'll just say slightly above average. Yeah, you know, they, like they, that, they just need to be an average defense, really. 10 to 15th honest. in the league. 10 to 15th in the league. The offense remains top three because there's no reason why it should be. It should be top two, if not the best. And 
that right there is a contending roster on paper easily. I mean, that's I mean, what the Chiefs the, have been. The Chiefs have been a top three offense and then a middle-of-the-road defense. And they, year after year, are making it deep into the AFC playoffs. Cowboys can be the Chiefs of the NFC very quickly, very easily, if they, if everything goes well. So that that's why I put a truss on it. The, the, if if without the Dax signing, it'd be it'd be sus or a shrug, pretty easily. And 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 I and I get I totally get you being uh, optimistic about it because I mean you you almost have to be with your team. You know, it's the only way to stay sane. There's a reason why I left the Texans because there's no way I can be optimistic about the Texans. No, it's not. And <laughs> and it's and it's 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 more than just on the field. It's it's everything. And again, go watch that video. I did a very good breakdown of everything that has happened to that sorry organization. But. Um, I personally have to give this another shrug. The entire NFC East to me is a giant shrug. Wow. Every single team has good and bad, and we don't know which one's going to outweigh the, I, 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 I don't even, like, I can't even bet on which one is going to be better for any of these teams. Because, again, all of these have really good bright spots and then really bad uh, dark spots. Like, it's just, to me, it's just there's there's almost an equal amount of good and bad in each of these teams, and so we just have to see what happens this next year. See, like, it, basically what I need is I need all of those question marks answered. And the question, and there's question marks in every single of these teams that is going to sway it one way or the other. And I, the question marks are too big for me to, to, to say whether I trust it or suss it on any of these teams. I am just a giant. I'm, I, I like, I literally freeze up thinking about the NFC East because it's just like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? We don't know. They they could all go out there and have eleven and twelve wins next year. It could happen. They could all the Eagles go out are the and have least likely. The, the, yeah, we we don't know. Dallas, there's no reason why they should have six wins again, assuming everybody stays healthy. No, even in yeah, spite yeah, of coaching. But, uh, again, like but, yeah, but but again, you know, there's Mike McCarthy that is awful. And what if what if Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts, you know, what if they take off and Fitz Magic has a magical season and now all of a sudden the Cowboys are the worst team in the NFC East. It's just like It could it could happen. It's just like I don't all of these things are options. All of these are valid things that can happen. I it's it's fun and terrible at the same time for for a guy that's a fan of the team within the NFC East. And all NFC East fans are kind of you know, I, I've talked to, you know, some Washington fans, some Eagles fans here and there, and it's like everybody's of the same opinion. It's just like every year it's like, what do, what do we what do we do? No one knows who's going to win. Every And basically all NFC East fans kind of have a mutual respect of the other teams. They're like, yeah, they can be good, you know, if, if you're really being honest with yourself and not having the horrible bias. Because I, I do not have a terrible bias against other NFC East teams in general. I hate the Eagles. I do. But I, I at least – Tell it like it is with them usually, and I I actually really respect the heck out of Washington. I borderline if if I was not a Dallas fan, I would like Washington. And then with the Giants, I don't hate them or like them. They I just you know what you guys do your thing. So 
No, and that's and that's totally fair. But yeah, but yeah. so for me, it's a giant shrug. I understand you being trust. I I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was kind of funny. I mean, obviously, I knew what my grades were going to be th- uh, throughout this entire thing, and it was funny because uh, Joel was all like, "Oh yeah, I think we're going to have some things that are similar, some some things that are off," and I'm just like. Well, I know mine's going to be exactly the same. Because <laughs> that's just how I feel. But um, but again, that is just how we feel. It There's a reason why we don't like doing grades, because it's more of a feeling. It's more of, you know, like, it, it's, it's trying to get some kind of sense of what's going to happen next season. Because w- this draft, for any team, they could have hit a home run in every single pick and then they could have busted every single pick. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen with any of these drafts yet. We can have really good inclinations. We can have really good thoughts and ideas and predictions, but that's why I don't like grading it is because you, you, you can't really grade it. It's really a feeling. It's a, it's what you think is going to happen. And so with that being said, That is going to be our NFC East episode. Next week, we will be talking about the AFC East, so stay tuned for that. That should be a lot of fun to talk about. And we might, uh, uh, after having so many guests uh, last week with the AFC North, I'm hoping to maybe get some more guests later on. Maybe next week we'll get another person. Stay tuned on Twitter to find out. Um, But... Like I said, that is going to be it. Please leave your comments down below. We love hearing from you guys. We love talking to you guys. Hit us up on Twitter, all that good stuff. Do all the good YouTube algorithm stuff with the liking and the subscribing. And until next week, I'm Lee. And I'm Joel. And, and I'm this looking is forward to seeing you. And we are peacing out.